listening to Let Us Go Into the House of the Lord. I'm Pastor Michael Lilienthal, and today we are continuing the Christmas season. We're going to be looking ahead to the service for the first Sunday after Christmas. Uh, now, and if you listened to the Christmas episodes when I talked about Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, there was mention there uh, that Christmas is celebrated in an octave, uh, an eight-day set of services. Now, this, this doesn't strictly connect itself to the octave itself, but I want to mention it here since we are in this Christmas season. Uh, the, there's the popular Christmas song, The Twelve Days of Christmas, which itself reflects upon the season itself. Christmas is a 12-day long season. Uh, it starts with Christmas Day, the 25th, and goes all the way through January 5th. January 5th is the 12th day of Christmas, because then when we get to January 6th, that is the Epiphany. Uh, the sixth uh, begins a new church season, the Epiphany, especially looking at the time that uh, the uh, the Gentile wise men came to visit Jesus. Uh, epiphany is, is the Son of God being revealed and unveiled for the Gentile world as well. We'll talk more about that when we get to Epiphany. But the Octave is this eight-day set of, of services, um, or this, this, this eight-day celebration of Christmas that starts uh, on Christmas Day and goes till eight days later, uh, January 1st. Now, with this this octave in mind, the, all the high festivals are, or, or the feasts, are celebrated on octaves, and that does a couple of different things. First of all, an octave uh, being eight days emphasizes that we are Christians living in the New Testament Easter-infused era, because Easter, when Jesus rose from the dead, that's the foundation of our Christian faith. Paul talks about that in uh, 1 Corinthians 15. If Christ was not raised, our faith is futile. Um, it's, it's based on Christ's resurrection. But Christ's resurrection was on a Sunday, which is the first day of the week. But if we look at that, and especially how we celebrate this, we'll talk about this more when we get to that season of the church here, that Easter follows upon a whole week. And we call that week Holy Week, very specifically starting with the uh, triumphal entry into Jerusalem, uh, riding on the colt, uh, the foal of the donkey on the way in uh, for Palm Sunday. And we, we heard that lesson for Advent 1 already. But there we get that repeated, that, that entrance into, uh, into Jerusalem. He uh, institutes the Lord's Supper on that Thursday of that week, uh, is, is betrayed then and is crucified on, the, uh, on fri Friday and rests in the tomb on that Sabbath, on the Saturday before rising again on what became the eighth day. Uh, the first day of the new creation institutes this new week. So with this octave idea, when we, we go uh, a full week plus one day, that's emphasizing that, that Easter-like cycle, so that even when we celebrate Christmas here, it is with a view to Easter. Uh, Christmas uh, has another special emphasis here with that octave, because January 1st, the eighth day after Jesus' birth, uh, was also, as was the, the custom with all uh, the Jewish boys, uh, that was when he was circumcised and given his name. And so that's uh, that's another uh, festival that is celebrated. Um, we, we don't really celebrate that as much here at Our Saviors, but it's, it's such a beautiful one to see. I want to mention just a few features of that, that when Jesus receives his name, that's the name by which we're saved. Uh, and so he enters into that name. With the circumcision, too, he puts himself under the law. He is, he is entered under the law to bear the law for us and to complete it perfectly. And also with that rite of circumcision, those are the first drops of blood that Jesus shed. The sa saving blood of God was shed on that day, eight days after his birth, as he enters under the law. And think of that connection. When he goes under the law, he sheds his blood for us. We're, we're seeing a, a unity of active and passive righteousness 
uh, or obedience, active and passive obedience here um, for Jesus, that he actively obeyed the law by following what it said, and he passively obeyed it by bearing the suffering of that law, and that's united there in his circumcision. And as he gets that name then as well, that's the name that covers us in our baptisms, which is the, the New Testament circumcision. Uh, we're baptized into the name of Jesus is, is what is stated in the book of Acts numerous times, but the formula is in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, in Jesus. That's why we're called Christians. We have Jesus Christ's name on us. So that's that octave idea. But when we're talking about the first Sunday after Christmas, that's just simply whenever Christmas falls, this is the Sunday after. So uh, we're going to be talking about that, uh, especially here following that Christmas festival, the first Sunday worship, uh, the first Lord's Day that comes after Christmas. We're continuing in that Christmas season, uh, and so we see some of the emphases there uh, with uh, with this presentation of, of Christ at the temple for, for all of this, but... Um, well, well, we'll get into the readings and, and we'll discuss this. We are continuing with the Old Testament lectionary, so I'm going to save the Old Testament lesson until later. That will be the sermon text for this. But So we're going to start by looking at the epistle lesson, which is Galatians chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. What I am saying is this. As long as the heir is a young child, he is no different from a slave. Although he is owner of everything, he is still under guardians and managers until the day set by his father. So also, when we were younger children, we were enslaved under the basic principles of the world. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son to be born of a woman, so that he would be born under the law, in order to redeem those under the law, so that we would be adopted as sons. And because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts to shout, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if you are a son, then you are also an heir of God through Christ. This is a beautiful Beautiful text uh, in this epistle lesson. I mean, I, I, I could say that about every scripture lesson that we're going to come across, that it's a beautiful text. But what I'm talking about here is very specific. We're thinking of Christmas here. So think of this in the light of Christmas, the sending of the Son. Uh, and he came into the flesh, born of a woman. Uh, that comes there in verse 4. He was born of a woman at the set time, the set time when it had fully come. And that's really what we're getting at here. Jesus was born at the right time. There's a nexus of Old Testament and New Testament coming out in Jesus' birth. And that's brought out here, too. St. Paul describes uh, the people of God as being children who grow up in the household, and when they're young, they're no different than the slaves. So we have these, these laws that we're supposed to follow, even if they don't make sense to us. We follow those laws as children, and so you've got not just the moral law that condemns us, but also the civil and ceremonial laws for the Old Testament believers. Uh, but the thing is, all of those things pointed ahead to Christ who was to come. And those things were weaning the, the people, the, raising them in the, in the right attitude so that when Christ did come, the, the, these who were like slaves would come to be fully sons. But see, there's a, there's a mixture of metaphors here because we become sons uh, only because Jesus saved us, because Jesus uh, caused us to be adopted as sons. There's a quote that uh, I, I've seen attributed to, to St. Augustine, that God was made man, that man might become God. Uh, C.S. Lewis said something similar, too, and I'm not totally sure about whether that is uh, an Augustine quote or not. But uh, the thing is, when he talks that way, he's not saying that uh, we become, like the, in the, the, the Mormon idea of things, that we become gods of our own planets and, and things, and so um, that that's what we're looking forward to. No, what, what he means is that we become divine. We become uh, connected with divinity. We become holy, uh, like God, and, and given a share of his glory in heaven. 
of course, in heaven, we get that picture in Revelation that we are still worshiping God. He is God, but we are uh, his kinfolk. Uh, and that comes about because God made himself our kinfolk. He put on flesh. He became uh, a child uh, born of a woman. He, he became a human being so that God is our brother. God is related to us. Um, quite literally, God, God is related to us. God had a mother, a human mother, just as all of us did. Uh, and he can trace that lineage, just like we can, all the way back to, to Noah and then back further to Adam and Eve. Um, God is our, our, our brother. God is our sibling. Uh, and if, if that's the case, then look at this promise that comes about that we also are able to shout, Abba, Father, and know that God hears us as our father. And that's, that's literal. He's our father. Um, this, this is the, this is the message of Christmas that comes about on this Lord's day, this, this Sunday following Christmas, uh, that Christ joined himself to our flesh. So we have our father in heaven. It's, it, how much more beautiful can you, can you make it? Uh, all right, moving on to the, the, the gospel lesson that's, uh, connected with this now. The gospel comes from Luke chapter 2, verses 33 through 40. Uh, so of course this is going to come a little bit after the, um, the account of, uh, the, the nativity itself. Um, but, uh, we'll, we'll see the significance. here. Joseph and the child's mother were amazed at the things that were spoken about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, listen carefully. This child is appointed for the falling and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Anna, a prophetess, was there. She was a daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband for seven years after her marriage, and then she was a widow of 84 years. She did not leave the temple complex since she was worshipping with fasting and prayers night and day. Standing nearby at that very hour, she gave thanks to the Lord. She kept speaking about the child to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. When they had accomplished everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town, Nazareth. The child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and God's favor was on him. What is emphasized here in this gospel text is just how human God is. <laughs> God makes himself human. Uh, if you go just a few verses prior to this, Simeon uh, is, is, is moved by the Spirit to go and see the, the infant Jesus presented uh, in the temple. He lifts the child in his arms. He praises God. He sings that, that song, Lord, now you dismiss your servant in peace according to your word, um, because he has held the Christ child, which is, is em emphasized here too, that because God made himself flesh, we can hold him. We can touch him. We can feel God. And so uh, Anna, this prophetess, um, can sing about this child, can, can, can tell others about this child, uh, because God has made himself manifest. God has made himself visible for us to see and feel and touch uh, and hear. Uh, and, and she noticed that she, it says she uh, was speaking to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. It's again that connection of Old Testament and New. The Old Testament believers waiting for this redemption to come. Now it's here and Anna is, is telling about that. And is telling those who are waiting for him that he's here now. The, the culmination of that at the right time here, this Christmas time, is when God impacts the world with his presence. God comes to win our salvation by putting on that flesh. And he put on that flesh, of course, we look ahead. Why did he put on flesh? In order to die. He put on that flesh so that he would die in that flesh for us. Um, 
All right, so with that, I want to look now at the uh, Old Testament lesson. This is from uh, Genesis chapter 21, verses 1 through 7. The Lord visited Sarah, as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah, as he had promised. Sarah conceived and gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age at the set time which God had announced to him. Abraham named the son who was born to him, the son whom Sarah had born to him, Isaac. Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Sarah said, God has made me laugh. Everyone who hears will laugh with me. She said, Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne a son for him in his old age. Uh, the, the parallel here is that the, the promised son is born. Uh, that can be said of Jesus and that can be said of Isaac. In that sense, Isaac is a type uh, or a pattern of Christ. He's, he foreshadows Christ in that way, being the, the, the promised son who is brought out at the appointed time, at the proper time. Uh, that the, the miraculous birth, we discussed that earlier when we looked at Genesis chapter 17 with the promise of this birth of Isaac. Um, that uh, the the mother of both Isaac, uh, the, the mothers of Isaac and of Jesus should not have been able to have children, but by God's miracle they did, uh, according to his promise and at his proper time. And we see the birth of this child causes laughter because um, God has kept his promise despite all human expectation, despite all human ability. God kept his promise, uh, made fools of all of us, but he did that for our salvation and to give us uh, such complete joy. I... It's something that we've got to laugh at, too. It's just wonderful. Um, so well, that, that'll that be the sermon text, and we'll discuss that uh, a little bit more in the sermon itself uh, on on this Sunday, for uh, which will be, I should have said this earlier, December 29th uh, is this Sunday, the first Sunday after Christmas. Uh, so we'll, we'll have that at that time. Now, um, with uh, the, the traditions of our saviors here, this uh, fifth Sunday of, of a month uh, is uh, the right one, the, the right one service without communion, so it's abbreviated that way by cutting out the communion service. Uh, so we'll we'll go we'll discuss that a little bit. And in there with uh, without communion, there are slots for uh, four different hymns to be sung. Um, what I'm going to do, we're going to sing two hymns and divide up the verses uh, because these hymns are just wonderful. Before I get to those, though, I do want to talk about the psalm. Um, one of the psalms, uh, the, this this isn't the one that you'll see in the, the hymnary suggested uh, for uh, psalms to be sung for this Sunday. Uh, the, the, the one the hymnary suggests is uh, Psalm 93, which is not printed in the hymnary for singing, uh, but that... Uh, that psalm, I, I do want to read it just because it's uh, it's significant. That psalm goes, The Lord reigns. He is clothed in majesty. The Lord is clothed. He wears strength like a belt. Yes, the world stands firm. It will not be moved. Your throne was established long ago. You are from eternity. The waves have lifted up, O Lord. The waves have lifted up their voice. The waves roar loudly, mightier than the thundering of great waters, mightier than the breakers of the sea. The Lord on high is mighty. Your testimonies stand very firm. Holiness beautifies your house for endless days, O Lord. There are a couple of things. Oh, I love this psalm. Um, I, I love all the psalms. But what I love about this for this particular Sunday, and again, we're not singing this one this Sunday, but it is good to look at, um, the clothing. God is clothed. How can he do that? He has a body now, <laughs> a body that's been born uh, and can put on clothes. And he was wrapped in swaddling cloths at Christmas and is, is clothed now, but he's clothed in majesty. Uh, and, and it's a majesty that's brought out in humility that, that uh, God humbles himself, makes himself a slave, 
uh, to make us sons. He, he humbles himself that way uh, and brings himself to us. Um, the, the, the waves, the sea sings uh, and lift up their voice because God, the mighty God, is now here present for them to praise. Um, but then that last verse, your testimonies stand very firm. First of all, in that God promised this, and so his testimonies are proven to stand. He promised to send the Savior, and here he is. He's, he's, he has come, as he promised. So all those who are waiting for him to come, see him arrive. That, that concept of the waiting being fulfilled is really what's coming out this Christmas, uh, Christmas 1, uh, this first Sunday after Christmas. The, the waiting is fulfilled. The waiting is, is over. Uh, what we expect is here now. Uh, and then we get the last half of that verse 5. Holiness beautifies your house for endless days, O Lord. Think of the Lord's house. On earth, that's the temple. Uh, in, in this gospel lesson, Jesus was just presented at the temple. So where do, what is the beauty of that house? It's Jesus. Jesus is the thing that beautifies that house. And it's beautified for endless days so that even though that temple is destroyed, Jesus' body has become the temple, as he would say later in his life. Uh, that body that was destroyed but then was raised on the third day. Uh, and in that body, we as Christians are members of that body. I, I'm, I'm, I'm drawing kind of a through line here that the house of God, the temple, is also our body, which is Christ, which is also, we're talking about the church here, the body of the church. That house is beautified because Christ is in it and gives his glory and beauty to it. Okay, that's enough about Psalm 93, which, as I said, we're not singing on Sunday, simply because it's not printed in the hymnary, and I like to use ones that we can turn to uh, in the hymnary. What we are going to sing on Sunday is the psalm immediately before that, Psalm 92, and we're not going to sing the whole thing, uh, because that psalm is 15 verses long. We're going to sing 10 verses of Psalm 92 that's on, starting on page 186 in the hymnary. It goes to tone two, so it's going to be sung like this. It is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High. Uh, and then it goes on to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness every night. Again, the, the idea of the promises of God being fulfilled here does come through in this. And we praise God. We tell others like Anna, uh, the prophetess, told others as well. And just as uh, Sarah also in the Old Testament laughed and told others to share in her joy, we, we declare this. Um, I'm going to keep reading on an instrument of 10 strings on the lute and on the harp with harmonious sound for you, Lord, have made me glad through your work. Laughter again. I will triumph in the works of your hands. O Lord, how great are your works. Your thoughts are very deep. A senseless man does not know, nor does a fool understand this. And we can say none of us understand this, how God can be a man, how God can join himself to our flesh, uh, and how God thought of this plan for our salvation. Obviously, his thoughts are very deep. When the wicked spring up like grass, and when all the workers of iniquity flourish, it is they. It is that they may be destroyed forever, but you, Lord, are on high forevermore. For behold, your enemies, O Lord, for behold, your enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. But my horn you have exalted like a wild ox. I have been anointed with fresh oil. And so talking about the wicked springing up, it, when, when it looks like God's plan isn't going to work, that's exactly when it does. Uh, the wicked are springing up so that God's justice is, is demonstrated in them. Um, and it shows that God is God. God is on high forevermore. Uh, the enemies are per perish. Uh, the, they are scattered. But the horn, my horn, uh, that's the horn of salvation, the, the horn of victory, uh, that's taken in the Old Testament very frequently to mean Christ. Uh, that is itself a picture of, of the Messiah who was to come. That Messiah is exalted like a wild ox. Um, depicting that power, that strength of the wild ox. 
Uh, and then I have been anointed with fresh oil. That anointing is that Mashiach in Hebrew, that Messiah, the, the one who is anointed with this fresh oil, uh, the oil that was never made or opened until the proper time. And here it is, that Messiah now comes uh, to win that victory. So that's the psalm that we're going to sing at the proper time in this service. Uh, I want to put those first because I want to look now at the hymns that we're going to be singing. Like I said, two different hymns that we're going to sing, splitting each of them up by um, almost in, in half. Um, uh, first, we're going to be singing hymn 150, and we're going to sing verses 1 through 3, the first three verses uh, of that uh, at the beginning of the service. That hymn is by um, Brorsen, uh, good old Danish hymn. I think he's Danish. Um, anyway, in this our happy Christmas tide. Uh, and it, 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 it emphasizes that we are still in the Christmas season, first of all. The 12 days of Christmas have only just begun. Uh, so, in this our happy Christmas tide, the joyful bells are ringing. Um, the joy, 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 joy. Laughter that, uh, that comes out with uh, the naming of Isaac comes as well. Um, then it goes on that in him by whom the world was made, now in the lonely manger laid, Rejoice we in the spirit. So God who made the world is joined to our flesh. That paradox once again. How can that possibly be? Um, and the last verse that we're going to sing, this this will be uh, the f- verses four through seven will be sung right before the sermon. So the very last verse I want to highlight as well uh, that we sing this right before the sermon. Alleluia, which has been partially silent for uh, the, the Advent season. Alleluia, our strife is o'er. Who then should pine in sadness? Who now should grieve in anguish sore in these, our days of gladness? Thou, church of God, O sing this morn. To us is Christ the Savior born. O joy that none can sever. Alleluia, sing thou my heart. Now Christ is mine. I can depart to be with him forever. We highlight uh, the, the perspective of Simeon at the end there. I can depart. But we depart in peace. We depart to be with him forever. It's, it's that death hymn. Many, many um, good Lutheran hymns end with the last verse being uh, anticipating our death, that we're prepared to die. Uh, and we die in peace. We, we die because uh, in, in that peace and joy because we know where we're going. We know that we are Christ's. Uh, and that, that emphasizes that we can, we can have that joy and that peace because we've seen God keep his promise to send that Savior. Uh, and so that, that gets this whole idea that all this waiting is done. What we've been looking forward to is here now. So we have that salvation. So that's the first hymn that we're going to sing. Uh, then uh, starting with the hymn of thanks following the, the sermon and the, the prayer uh, and the offerings, uh, we're going to be singing uh, the first three verses of hymn 154, which is to shepherds as they watched by night. It's a Luther hymn, Luther Christmas hymn. This Luther hymn uh, is, uh, To shepherds as they watched by night appeared a host of angels bright. Behold, the tender babe, they said, in yonder lonely lowly manger laid. I'm going to keep reading through verse 2. At Bethlehem in David's town, as Micah did of old make known, tis Jesus Christ, your Lord and King, who doth to all salvation bring. So the first two verses here really just reiterate the, the nativity story once again. This is, this is the gospel that we heard on Christmas Eve. Uh, that the angels appeared and told the shepherds this message. But we're still living in that. And that's what this hymn is emphasizing for us, that we still live in that. So then verse 3, Oh, then rejoice that through his Son God is with sinners now at one. Made like yourselves of flesh and blood, your brother is the eternal God. Again, that same paradox that I've been discussing for this whole thing, that God is man. The Almighty God is our brother. He, he humbles himself to join himself to us. Um, the last three verses that will close uh, this service um, start with what harm can sin and death then do. And the reason we can say that is not only because God made himself flesh, but because he died and 
overcame death. And so now God lives with us in that everlasting life. Uh, and it goes on to point out that we have the victory at the end because God is not going to leave us. Uh, and so we we can sing praise to God. We can we can rejoice in that salvation that is absolutely certain because God became a human being in order to suffer and die in our place so that we can have that divine eternal life. So that's the first Sunday after Christmas that's going to be coming up. I'm extremely excited for that service to get to continue that uh, that that Christmas uh, theme. Uh, and it's it's only colored now. That Christmas theme comes on a Sunday now because we're we're tying it directly to the Easter uh, account as well. That God became flesh, so that when He went to the tomb and rose from the dead, we also see that our flesh rises from the dead. We have that ultimate victory. We have that joy. Um, so, uh, I, I, I hope, like I said, that you're excited about this service. Uh, I look forward to, to discussing this birth of Isaac and that, that laughter of Sarah too. It's such a joyful, uh, occasion. Uh, so you can follow, uh, the, this, this podcast, uh, go to the website, tapestryradio.org slash Lord's house and, uh, give us some feedback there, get in touch with us, ask questions. Uh, you can talk to me directly at, on Twitter at M-G-L-I-L-I-E-N-T-H-A-L. And so until next time, peace be within Obscurantism and obfuscation. Orally observed, gentle listener. Gentle listener. Gentle listener. Gentle listener. listener. Obviated objects of oblivion. Obambulating about. Offered unto you. Offered unto you. Offered unto you. In the Tapestry Radio Network. Tapestryradio.org. From From our our fancy fancy to to yours. yours.